Hello, folks. Welcome aboard the Disneyland Railroad. We're now embarking on a grand circle tour of the Magic Kingdom, with stops at New Orleans Square, Mickey's Toontown, and Tomorrowland, followed by a visit to the Grand Canyon and Primeval World. We got a lot of traveling ahead of us, so remember, for a safe trip, you need to stay seated, keeping your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the train. And please, watch your children. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Three Guys in the Mouth. Josh here with my co-host, George. Yo, yo. And Hunter. Hey, how's it going? And this week, we're going to be talking about our home park. Disneyland finally announced when they're going to be opening, and a little bit of details, but still being vague about it. So let's get into it, and here we go. All right, like I just said, we're going to be talking about Disneyland. So the whole thing is on June 10th which I'm sorry, I know we're posting this way after that, but I wanted more details. On June 10th, Disney announced that Disneyland will be reopening, and uh, they gave us some information, not much, so I did kind of wait off. Uh, yesterday, they finally gave us more information. Uh, to start with, Downtown Disney will be opening on July 9th, and unlike Disney World with Disney Springs, we're getting World of, Di uh, World of Disney with it, which I think is great. Because I know living in Las Vegas, I've already discussed with my family members, like, we're probably going to drive out there at some time to just see World of Disney by itself. Because, of course, Disney stores aren't open yet. So that's one thing to be excited about. Um, the other thing was Disneyland and Disney California Adventure will be opening July 17th, celebrating Disneyland's 65th anniversary, which is also news because on Twitter... Uh, a few weeks ago, I said that the rumors I kept hearing was that Disneyland was going to open on July 17th, and Disney straight <laughs> direct messaged me, telling me, hey, uh, don't spread false information, we have not set an opening date, please don't spread anything, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> which to me, I was like, I guess you are opening that date, because why would you, I have like 50 followers on this page, why would you direct message me like that? <laughs> um and uh, the other information is that for hotels, Grand Californian and Paradise Pier will be opening July 23rd. Uh, there's no specifics yet on when the uh, Disneyland Hotel will be opening. The rumors are that they're not opening it because of uh, uh, capacity issues, which I'm also assuming is why it's opening after Disneyland, which uh, seems odd. But uh, starting with downtown Disney, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this, George? Um, I'm just excited for them to just open everything up, honestly. I just can't wait to go back. I know it's like, um, you know, and we've talked about that a lot. It's like, you, you do want, like, the feeling of normalcy, but also on that, uh, which I guess I forgot to mention, that's one of the reasons why I kind of waited, is that I thought it was weird that they didn't say what we already knew, and I know we've discussed on the last few episodes, is the... Uh, things that they're going to require now, which are, like, temperature checks and face masks. It, uh, there was, like, a whole thing online about that where uh, people were like, why are they not saying that for Disneyland? And, of course, some people were like, maybe Disneyland won't require them, which I'm like, you're out of your mind if you think the state of California <laughs> was going to allow that. But, um, so the whole thing is that uh, they announced yesterday, which I, I love, like, the way Disney announces things because they do it slightly. So what they did is, all they did is they updated the terms on the page. And of course, because bloggers are constantly checking, they caught it. Uh, so they announced one thing is they put up a warning about coronavirus or COVID-19. Um, I'll just read it really quick for you. While the Disneyland Resort is currently closed, we are pleased to share our proposed plans for phase reopening. Um, and then blah, 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 the information. That's actually like a good side note is uh, I think that's also why we haven't gotten more specifics, is that California has not actually approved their plans yet, so we're still waiting on that. Um, so COVID-19 warning is what they updated on there. So it says, an inherent risk of exposure to COVID-19 exists in any public place where people are present. COVID-19 is an extremely contagious disease that can lead to severe illness and death. According to the Center for uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 
Senior citizens and guests with underlying medical conditions are especially vulnerable. For guests who are interested in modifying and blah, blah, blah. So, like, to me, of course, obviously, the COVID-19 warning is a liability thing of saying, hey, you understand your risk when you come here, but please don't come here and catch coronavirus and then be mad about it. Um, which I, uh, you know, it's a thing of, like, I agree with the safety stuff. Um, I know, like, I, I work at a casino, and we have a lot of that going on here. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, if you want them to open, they're going to have to do it with the sense of, like, well... You can't sue me if you get sick for coming here because you knew the risk when you came here. You can't pretend like, oh, well, I guess everything's fine now, which also goes back to the other part of this uh, announcement, which was that uh, the enhanced health and safety measures, uh, which are basically the same ones uh, that they gave for Disney World, but uh, I'm just going to go through them quickly. Um, enhanced protective measures. We will require mandatory face coverings for both cast members and guests with the addition of hand-washing stations and physical barriers where appropriate. Physical distancing. We will reduce theme park capacity to enable physical distancing and add appropriate signs to help guests move responsibly throughout the property. Temperature checks. All guests will undergo temperature screenings prior to entering the downtown Disney district or theme parks. In addition, health screenings and temperature checks will be required daily for cast members. Limited contact enhancements. We are recommending cashless transactions and we will reduce cast member and guest interactions with helpful technology, including the expansion of mobile order in our Disneyland app, Apple Pay, and more. First of all, love Apple Pay, so I'm all over that anyway. That, I've been doing that anyway. <laughs> Me too. Um, enhanced uh, cleaning and sanitation. We will build upon our existing standards of cleaning and heightened protocols. So... Um, Obviously, these are the same things that we already knew. It's the same things Universal is doing. Uh, one thing I did want to add, I'm not sure if I mentioned it last time. And of course, like this is from Jim Hill, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. But Jim Hill said that one of the reasons why Bob Iger actually took back more of the CEO powers when, uh, uh, when they originally started closing is that one of the first things he did is he started calling Governor... Newsom of California and Governor DeSantis of uh, Florida, and he was trying to talk them into allowing the Disney parks to stay open. And Bob Iger's reasoning was that Disney parks are already a high standard of cleanliness. So he was like, there's no real reason for us to close because we already clean things and we can clean things even more. And um, I guess like the whole thing is that, of course, DeSantis was immediately like, yeah, do it, because that guy did he was arguing that coronavirus wasn't real or whatever for a little while. Um, <laughs> and then on the flip side, you had Newsom that apparently he worked super hard on getting Newsom to agree. And then uh, Newsom eventually did, which I will assume. Uh, and, you know, I'll give DeSantis that too. It's like uh, you have to consider like the kind of force that Disney is like in the workforce. Um, in Florida, apparently they, employ something like 80 to 90,000 people at Disney World. And Disneyland employs about 30,000 people. So it's like, they're a huge employer. So, uh -huh. you know, it's that thing. It's like for them, like, especially with unemployment stuff, I'm sure they were like, ah, I mean, it would be nice to not have to pay all those people. But then um, the joke is that Jim Hill said that when all of the other theme parks started closing, it occurred to Bob Iger, like, oh, if we don't close, we're going to seem like we don't care. <laughs> Which I'm like, duh. <laughs> you didn't think that people were going to go, obviously Disney's doing it right. They're going to go, these jerks just want their money. Yeah. Um, not so, uh, going back uh, to the, you know, first point, though, uh, like, Hunter, did you have any concepts or ideas, uh, complaints on Disney, uh, downtown Disney? No, I mean, uh, I'm I'm with you on the boat where it's like I'm just excited for any sort of like Disney associated like park anything. I know that I'm already sitting here like, man, I wonder uh, how hard it'll be to convince my my bosses because I do return to, to work really soon, you know, that I need to <laughs> take a weekend trip down to downtown Disney when it opens. Yeah, um, no, I mean I agree. There, there is like uh, I kind of make fun of it too because like. I know out of you guys, like um, my family, we have uh, actually gone out of the house probably the least 
because uh, I know the joke to me was that I didn't realize you guys were all going to the malls and stuff. And I've been, we've been sitting at home just like, uh, you know, catching up on my weird ghost shows or whatever. Uh, and, but that's the thing is like, I'm like, I would love to get back to like normalcy, but it's like, uh, you know, like I said before, there is still a serious pandemic out there. So it's like, you do have to take in the risk, but you also have to kind of, you know, say, uh, not save yourself, but like kind of cover yourself. That's why like, um, you know, some of the casinos out here and that's becoming an issue is that they're being so lenient about coronavirus because they ultimately, they honestly don't care. They could care less if you get sick. They just want to make sure they're making money, but then the yeah, concern for all of us employees. Well, yeah, and the problem for us employees is we're sitting there like, yeah, but we're the ones taking on the risk, not you, because we're the ones directly dealing with these people. Um, you know what? Uh, I did. Like, what's that? Oh, uh, I was gonna say that. Okay. Um, I was saying about like, yeah, like you know, Disneyland, we're trying to be like all normal, whatever. Like, the also the one thing like I'm like not excited, but like I'm super curious is like how are they gonna keep everyone like social distancing like at the you know, whenever you're waiting in line, like, how are, like, the employees going to clean extra? So, like, those are, those are the type of things that I'm curious about. I know we said that I mean, in the last couple of podcasts, but um, that's still on my mind. I mean, for for the way they do it, from what I've seen online already, uh, you know, with a few parks that are open, of course, uh, you know, even considering Shanghai Disneyland, is that what they really have been hitting on is the cleaning you just have more, uh, the cleaning staff cleaning more often. I know even at casinos, like, we have them cleaning, uh, like, um, handles and stuff on doors, like, every, like, 20 minutes. Uh, so, like, that's an easy thing. The social distancing thing is where it gets kind of difficult. Uh, so, like, theme parks, what they're doing is they're employing, like, having, like, basically a new physician, where it's someone that just walks around the park or an area making sure people social distance. But then you also run into the trouble of something like, for instance, SeaWorld Orlando that showed everybody that they don't care at all because they're allowing everyone to sit next to each other at the Shamu show. They're not telling people to wear their masks. They're not telling people to social distance at all. Then you've got, uh, oddly enough, Universal has been a pretty good case where they're pretty good about walking around and telling you, put your mask back on. Uh, you know, distance yourself from other groups. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to have to see from Disney. I know uh, because it's Disney, when it comes down to it, everyone's going to pretend it's a failure. Um, I'm just going to say that right now because from what I've seen online, uh, and I think we discussed it too, is that Universal City Walk in Florida opened. And there were growing pains with it, but it was like, hey, this is a new thing they're trying to do. And everyone gave them the benefit of the doubt. Then uh, Disney Springs opened, and you had guests bring in their own little thing and try to cook some hot dogs uh, on a table huh. that people not wearing masks. And everyone was online like, Disney is just letting it be chaos. They don't care. And I was like, whoa, like, give them a second to figure out what's going on. Yeah, so, because I mean, the I, thing... I'm going to assume we're going to see it and people are going to complain, but it's like, they're just going to have to, uh, you know, kind of tell people, Hey, move. I'm wondering though, if they're going to put the signs on the floor and the queue lines, because I've seen that at Shanghai and we saw it at universal, except universal partially because no one's at universal. They took all of them off the floor now. So it's like, is Disney going to do the same or are they going to like, you know, what are they going to do? You know, yeah, it's, it's a tough one, right? Like, I, I don't know how they're going to handle it. I know, like, out here at, like, the supermarkets, everybody's doing the same thing where it's just, you know, little markers where it seems to be about every six feet if they couldn't get it exact. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I assume that, um, at least in the queue lines, they're probably going to put, like, the thing on the floor just because they can remove that later, obviously. Yeah. Um Another thing I wanted to bring up, because it was a an odd choice, um, to say the least, is that they did say that uh, for Disneyland, they're not doing any new ticket sales as of this moment, which, duh. 
um, because there's a reservation system that's coming, which they keep talking about, but they won't tell us how it's going to work. Uh, but then they let us know that annual passes will, uh, they're going to be suspending getting new annual passes or renewing your current annual pass. And that's like the big question online is they're like, why is that the, why is that the thing they're saying now? Um, there's some thoughts on that. Uh, I've heard actually that Disneyland has around like a million, um, annual pass holders, which if that's true, that's insane. But, uh, I guess like the thing is, is that the rumor anyway, is that it's because Disney is looking at the legal liability because even though when you get an annual pass, they tell you that they can change the blackout dates whenever they want. They can revoke access whenever they want. The thing is, is that ultimately, uh, there's the question of at how many days can they truly take away from you before it's, before it becomes a question of, uh, that they should have to reimburse you for your annual pass. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know we talked about it before we started recording. It's like, it sucks because, like, you're thinking to yourself, um, for the most part, these are, like, $1,000 and up. So it's like, yeah, I mean, the people that paid out of pocket, they're probably the ones that are, like, you know, the ones that weren't, that aren't residents of California because they can't do, like, the payment plans. They're probably sitting there, like, hey... You know, like, what am I supposed to do? I'm now in the hole, you know, X amount of money. Yeah, um, that, and, yeah, that's what I've been hearing, like, the reason why we don't hear about that for Disney World is they don't have, they clearly don't have the same amount of annual pass holders. So they're like, ah, you know, we'll deal with it as it comes. Disneyland is such a large percentage that they're just like, how do you really do this? Now, to me... Um, and, you know, this is based on, you know, we all did the reservation system for uh, Galaxy's Edge last year, which was amazing. Um, I believe that we're going to have, like, a nice period during the uh, reservations. This is just my belief, it, because I think that it's ultimately going to deter all of the annual pass holders who are locals that go in for a couple hours. Because if it requires a, um, if this is going to require an actual reservation, and it's going to require possibly having to purchase a new ticket uh, for that day because you won't be able to use your annual pass, which I've heard rumors about. I'm hoping that's not true, but I've heard rumors that uh, you'll even have to buy tickets for this reservation period instead of using your annual pass. The thing is, is that locals aren't going to do that. They're going to go, no, I was just going to come in for a couple hours. I'm not going to pay money to come in here. And for me, I would love that because I would be more than open to spending the money and uh, to go of course it would mean that i would definitely be in there way longer than i should because <laughs> i'm already right, right. leaving to drive back to vegas at 7 p.m i'll be waiting till midnight or whenever they close because i'm like well i'm getting all i i paid for yeah um i did want to bring up another like side note uh which george actually brought up off mic uh before we started recording is star wars celebration so Star Wars Celebration Anaheim is this year, or it was this year, until they finally, Star Wars finally decided to let us know that they will not be holding their um, convention this year because of uh, COVID-19. And then, of course, the Star Wars Nice uh, hard ticket event for Disneyland was immediately canceled uh, because of that. Now, it's not truly being canceled. It's being postponed to uh, 2022. But um, I did <laughs> want to bring rough. up that the Star Wars night is probably, I love Star Wars, but I'm just like, to me, it's not worth it. It's a hundred, it was $109. It's a hard ticket event at Disneyland. Um, it's The event is from 9 to 1 a.m. And you could go into the park starting at 6 p.m. But all it is is more Star Wars theming and like photo ops and character meet and greets. And I believe they also said that they were going to be doing the uh, Hyperspace Mountain for it. But they also said that uh, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance was not going to be operating because of their maintenance issues. And I'm just like, well, why am I paying $109 if I'm not going to get to see the most amazing ride that they have? Which is 1,000% like kind of what I was thinking. Like, I'd be kind of mad if I spent that money. You go in there and you're like, oh... A new ride, and they're like, yeah, you can't, you know, get on. I don't know. With me, yeah, like, I, mean, I think, 
I think with me is that, I mean, yeah, I haven't gone that way, so I haven't experienced it yet, but like, to me, I don't, I, I mean, I could, I don't mind skipping that ride. And, but like I said, it has to be worth everything, you know, like, I have to see something like amazing things happen, like only that night would happen, like more characters, more things to buy, and, well, you know, that's, to avoid that right, you know, like something, something wild is going to be uh, happening, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it also goes into like a side subject. Um, I don't know if we really want to get into it, but uh, a side subject on Star Wars, right? Uh, at Disney. So uh, I, and just what you were saying kind of made me think of it. I know I've said it before, but my favorite Star Wars thing I've ever done at a Disney park was Star Wars Weekend at Disney World. Uh, I know Hunter should remember because we oh, were yeah. when we were kids. And what was amazing about it is it was the entire park was Star Wars for that weekend. So you had characters walking around, but they had all generations of Star Wars characters walking around. And that's honestly, I love Galaxy's Edge, but I think that's truly the ultimate, uh, like, upsetting thing about Galaxy's Edge is that they were so... Like, uh, what's the word? Like, to me, they, they just were so focused on high, um, on the high idea of it that they forgot, like, what people want. So, like, Harry Potter, for instance, right? Which we all know that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is supposed to be a response to Harry Potter. The Harry Potter land, one of the stupidest things about that land is that they pretend like it's a real thing and it's in a real time, but if you actually pay attention, the entire, uh, both lands are in separate timelines and the, uh, and the train is actually in another separate timeline. Because yeah. The train is set during the third movie, uh, during, um, what is that? Prisoner of Azkaban because of the, uh, the mentor. Is it Prisoner? Is yeah, it? it's Prisoner. Yeah, because it's, uh, Ford Acular. Um, so you see that in there. So it's set during, uh, the third movie. Then you go to, Hogsmeade um, in Islands of Adventure, and that one is set, I believe, like, uh, oh yeah, that one's set uh, in Goblet of Fire. And then we go to uh, the other part, uh, what is it called? Diagon Alley. And that one's set in the eighth movie, uh, in the last part of Deathly Hallows. And I'm just like, don't pretend like you tried. Like, and I'm I fine. Uh, I'm ultimately, I'm fine with the concept of it being like, the whole entire universe. But I'm like, don't pretend to me that you were going high concept because you weren't. You were just like, well, which one, which uh, timeline would be the best in this area? And Which I'm fine with that. Just don't pretend like you were doing it for the sake of it or whatever. Uh, and that's where we get to Galaxy's Edge where I'm like, I get it. You thought we should focus on new Star Wars, not old Star Wars. But it also seems stupid and moronic to open a land that's set in the in between eight and nine when you knew nine was coming out only a few months after the park would open it's like you're not even capitalizing on the trilogy that it's set in because the trilogy is over right mm -hmm. so uh and that's what annoys me and i've talked about it with uh with a ton of people and what i find is the most common thing is that everyone agrees with that concept that they're like, I could care less. Uh, well, I mean, some people are more negative. Because, like, Star Wars fans, I notice a lot of them are just like, I want it to be old Star Wars. I don't want it to be new or prequel Star Wars. I want it to be old Star Wars. But what I do notice is the common ground I can find with everyone is I always use Star Wars Weekends, where I'm like, what if you were at Galaxy's Edge walking around Batu and you saw Darth Vader walking around the corner? Or you saw Kylo Ren or Jango Fett or Boba Fett? And they're like, no, I would love that. And I'm like, see, I'm like, that's the thing. It's like, they would be fine with timeless Star Wars, where it's like, maybe I see Rey, maybe I see Luke, maybe I see Han. No one's like sitting there like, nope, it needs to be a physical timeline, or else I'm going to take your board. I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me what's happening in this land. But I agree. It's, you're right. It's, it's a little moronic to sit there and be like, we wouldn't love to see, you know, Darth Maul coming around the corner. Uh, you know, while, while we're exiting the uh, lightsaber shop. <laughs> uh, and, you know, once again, I've been listening to Jim Hill a lot, and he pointed out, he's like, one of the key issues that they have is, of course, 
uh, Millennium Falcon uh, Smuggler's Run, he was saying that one of the biggest complaints that they keep getting is that uh, people not understanding who Hondo is. And mind you, I watched Rebels. I love Rebels. But I'm like, yeah, I get it. Because I, when I went there the first time, I was like, who is this guy? Why is he here? Why does he have the Millennium Falcon? Like, you, you use the character that I don't know. And I'm just sitting there like, why is he, why does he have, like, the most important ship in all of this franchise? And I get it. Chewbacca doesn't talk words. But I'm like, no one was going to argue if it was Han Solo. No one was going to sit there like, he died! He's dead! <laughs> no, we would been like, like, hey, it's Han! Well, uh, a joke on top of that is, of course, in Rise of the Resistance, Kylo Ren is wearing his mask when it, because it's set in between Last Jedi and, uh, and Rise of Skywalker, he shouldn't be wearing a mask. So it's like, so you, you change the, you change the concept of the canon whenever you feel like, but you want to pretend like, no, we're, we're, we're adhering to it. Like, get out of here. But, you know, and George hasn't been on that ride yet. <laughs> well, with all that being nope. said, I do still agree with you where it's like the, the land itself is still a success. It's a lot of fun, but it's like, yeah, they miss a, they miss a bigger mark when they could have just had it in like a, as you were saying, a timeless area where it's like, yeah, we're, we're not really sure what film we're in because, or what film we're in because you can literally see anybody on any given day. I also, honestly, I think, um, and that was kind of the concept, uh, concept I was telling uh, our uncles uh, this past weekend, is I was like, if they did it as timeless Star Wars, I'm like, that would take care of one of the key issues that people immediately noticed when it opened. And I know George noticed because George loves to complain about it because it was one of the things he was looking forward to is the aliens. He wanted to see random, you know, uh, in like in world characters walking around the area. But I'm like, if you had Boba Fett walking around, you had Darth Maul walking around, uh, Ray, Luke, like, it would take care of the issue of people being like, this doesn't feel much like a real land because everyone that works here is human and there's no aliens. Like, right. Uh, if you had like those space characters and just walking around the way that they, because Ray and Kylo Ren walk around like that anyway, I'm like, it would perfectly solve that problem. You wouldn't have to do it. And then you would actually, because uh, I've also heard the issue, one of the issues they had was telling that to Bob Chappick, um, was that, you know, of course, it's like, well, why would I have a Twilight walking around Star Wars Galaxy's Edge when people don't know what that character is or who that character is? So they're not going to want a picture with her. But we're paying this, uh, you know, actress uh, all this money to walk around as one of these aliens. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Have it be Boba Fett. Have it uh, have it be someone that we would care to see. Right. It's like Boba Fett. Um because I, I'm starting to watch Rebels and I enjoy it, Sabine or something like that, or straight up pull the Mandalorian into this. Dude, uh, I mean, I have heard that there's rumors about the Mandalorian coming. Um, I'm hoping those are true. Uh, the, the one I've heard the most specific is about uh, Hollywood Studios, that they're going to replace their meet and greet that they have currently. What is it? Uh, um, Star-Lord with Baby Groot, I think is what it is now. Um that they're going to replace that with uh, Mando with um, Baby Yoda, <laughs> which I was just like, oh my God, I would love that. Hey, Mando. <laughs> it would be cool. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like, it would solve that problem. You have people walking around as characters from the universe. Everyone's going to be like, oh, cool, look, look who it is. Look, it's Poe Dameron. Like, uh, that's right. what I want to see. Look, it's Finn. I would love Finn. In the Stormtrooper uniform. <laughs> With the bloody handprint. Uh, moving on from there, I did want to discuss too. So with all these announcements, um, we do have... Uh, so, so on Mike's chat, they, this week, they did their Disneyland update. I don't know how you call it, an update, whatever. But uh, they got someone that did an aerial um, of Disneyland. And you got to see some interesting things in it. And I just kind of wanted to break it down a little just because, like, the things that I saw that were kind of exciting. Um, I'll start with the positive because, uh, you know, this show, we love to be negative. Uh, 
But positively, we can see like that they're actually working on things. Um, of course, the re- the assumable reason is that we have an opening date now, so they got to get things going. So one thing is that you can see in the hub, they're starting to replant uh, all of the flowers and stuff, which I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm like, that needed to be done anyway. Um, one thing I know I had discussed with you guys like uh, off mic bef- uh, before is that I had seen pictures that uh, one of the weird things that they did when they closed the parks is that they tore up the uh, Frontierland entrance and the walkway that's between Sleeping Beauty Castle and um, and Matterhorn. Uh, you know that walkway? They like tore it up, and I guess the reasoning was that they're expanding that area, and they decided they were like, oh well, since the park's closed anyway, we can just do both of them now, and they just tore them up. But then. Of course, uh, when California was like, oh, you guys can't have uh, construction crews going on, they just left it like that for a while. And then it became a question of, it's like, are they going to finish this? Uh, in the aerials, you can actually see that they clearly have construction workers on it now, which I assume is because they needed that done. Um, you know, they're not going to open the park with that still torn up. Um, I did want to mention, because of course, uh, we've been tracking this just because it was funny. Uh, they didn't show if the exit stairs, uh, the emergency exit stairs for Space Mountain are finished. So we have no idea if those are still going to be just concrete when uh, they open up. <laughs> the stupidest thing. I've never seen a set of stairs take that long. And, and I love, like, the rumors about it were that, you know, when um, Galaxy's Edge was not the hit they wanted, they were like, we need to take some money, like, right now. And they were like, oh stop doing this construction work. And it's like, the stairs are like 70% done. Like, you, all you gotta do is like paint them and put some handrails. <laughs> and they just left it like that. For months, it's just been sitting like that. So stupid. Um, oh yeah, so Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is actually continuing work. They're clearing out uh, the area. It looks like it's basically dirt now. I know there was like a dumb thing on my chat where they were like, why is, there, why is there a covering of dirt right there? I'm assuming that's just dirt that's covered because they don't want it blowing everywhere. Uh, I don't know why we have to make a federal case out of everything that happens. <laughs> they're like, I see them covering dirt. I guess there's something secret under there that we don't know. Like, get out of here. Like, stop <laughs> being insane. Um, yes, sir. Yes, now, I'm actually excited to see that they're continuing work because, as we know, uh, the devil, uh, I mean, uh, Bob Chappick, the evil Bob, uh, he said he was going to make uh, drastic cuts to uh, Disney um, following the COVID-19 closures and whatnot. And I honestly thought for Disneyland, I thought Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway was the easiest one that you could cancel and it wouldn't matter because it's in the back of uh, uh, Toontown. Anyway, so like no one sees it. Right. Uh, I am pleasantly surprised to see that they are continuing work, and I can only imagine that it's because of all the good word of the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway opening at uh, Disney World. It is good. I mean, everybody who listens to the show or has ever met me knows that I, I love Toontown for whatever reason I do. So it's nice to know that we're still going to get our breath of fresh air, you know, into that area of the park. So what no, are you going to do? Well, uh, so that's like a little upsetting. The what they got rid of uh, in actuality was this uh, backstage area. Um, the thing that we're actually going to lose, which I kind of wonder how they're going to pull that off, really, because it's a store, uh, is the Five and Dime, the store that's there, right. so uh, or the Last Factory, whichever side you go to. Um, so I do wonder about that part. I'm just like, so you're not going to have a store in Toontown anymore? I'm like, I don't know how that works. But then again, like... Really? Bit, uh, they're not going to get rid one. of uh, Roger Rabbit? <laughs> no. Oh, never. But, and, and of course, <laughs> that's the joke of Disneyland, right? Is Disneyland never cares... They never replace rides. They build new rides in whatever space they can find. So it becomes it's become like a running gag now. But it seems crazy that it's, like, more and more, like, obvious. I mean, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in Florida replaced the Great Movie Ride. And 
over here in Disneyland, they were like, oh, well, you know, this backstage area, just tear it out and we'll just replace it with a ride. And it's like, what? what? <laughs> like, I don't understand how, like, Galaxy's Edge replaced, uh, realistically, the uh, the horses, uh, the, uh, uh, what is it, the tricycle, the ranch that was in the, behind Disneyland for the horses. That's what Galaxy's Edge is sitting on. And it's like, how is it that Disneyland finds, like, new areas to build rides, but then at Disney World, their Galaxy's Edge went in the streets of America, where the backlot tour was. And it's like, what? Why are you guys constantly tearing everything out? Which is, yeah, it's funny to think about because that was like, the, that, that whole area was built because, you know, they didn't want to run into an issue where they didn't have space anymore. Yeah. Um, I did want to bring up, uh, I don't know if you guys watch it on Disney Plus, which I think everyone should watch, with a, um, asterisk. Uh, they have a show on Disney Plus called, um, Disney Insiders. And, uh, to me, I feel like it's like, one of the uh, hidden gems on Disney Plus. So there's not that many episodes, I'll be honest. There's only like five, I think. Uh, and they're they're not as like clear with like making them come out every week uh, as every uh, everything else on there. Uh, like for instance, the one uh, one day at Disney uh, shorts. I love that. That's like every week. So there's like 30 episodes of it. But um, Disney Insider is like a five to ten minute. Uh, basically short form video where they cover three things in every episode. And it's always something, it's like two things with the studios every time. It's always like a Disney movie coming out, a Disney TV show for whatever stupid reason. And then the last thing is always Imagineering uh, or parks. And basically what I do is I just always skip to the last section because I'm like, I don't care about the rest. Um, the last episode is actually about Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Uh, so they talked to Kevin Rafferty, who is the lead Imagineer on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Uh, sad note, I did not know that this is the last ride that he's designing. He's one of Tony, the Tony Baxter era uh, Imagineers. So I'm like, that's kind of upsetting that we're losing him. Especially since in his five minutes on there, all he does is basically uh, him and the, his like fellow Imagineers basically talk trash about the current uh, Imagineers, uh, the young kids. And I'm just like, man, <laughs> it's crazy that this is what we have to look forward to. Because a cool, uh, and this is like a cool side note, is uh, he takes them into uh, this office of another Imagineer. Uh, I didn't write down his name, I forget. But, uh, I mean, you'll see it in there. Uh, he takes them to this older Imagineer, and he does like the music and stuff and sound effects. And he talks about how, you know, for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, they wanted to have a real sound effect. They didn't, because uh, he's like, you know, it's easy to just like uh, look for a whistle sound that we already have stockpiled. But they were like, we wanted it to have a specific sound because we wanted it to feel like those uh, Mickey shorts. And I love that they kept, they kept using the term loosely, but you could catch that they meant like actual Mickey Mouse shorts, like the ones that Walt Disney made, not really the ones that are being produced. Um, but what he brought out, and I, feel, I tell everyone, cause I think it's so crazy. Um, he's like, oh, he's like, can you pull out the whistle? And he goes up to his bookshelf, and like behind some books, he has this tri whistle that he come, uh, pulls out. It, you know, it's a whistle with like three whistles on it. And he, Kevin Rafferty, holds it up, and he's like, "This is an important piece of busy history. This is the tri whistle of Steamboat Willie of the Steamboat." And I was like, "Why is Boy. it in your shelf? <laughs> it's behind books." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, let me move then, some stuff aside. Well, yeah, uh, and then, like, they they uh, blow on it, right? And uh, they actually point out that, like, when you ride Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, the sound of Goofy's uh, train, uh, the whistle on the train is actually that whistle. And they did that because they wanted it to have that connection to the original Mickey shorts. And I was just like, what an amazing, like, little thing to just throw in there. That literally nobody would have known about had he not been on the... Uh, the little program to talk about it. Oh yeah, it's but that's one of those things that Imagineers like to throw little things. So it's, uh, I just because I love it too. The other funny note was that uh, he uh, he and the other Imagineer kind of talk trash about new Imagineers, and they say that uh, a problem that they keep having with new Imagineers is that uh, they don't. Um, it's actually something else that I noticed uh, comes up a lot now. Um, 
Because it comes up actually in the Mandalorian, uh, what's it called? Uh, Disney Gallery? Uh, man. Yeah, Disney Gallery Mandalorian is the concept of like new filmmakers and new Imagineers don't understand like physical things. They only understand what you can do with the computer. And uh, that's the thing that the Imagineers talk about on this episode is they talk about pretty quickly, but you kind of get like their sense. They're like, one of the issues, and he, he says it with the sound effects too, uh, when he said the whole thing about, you know, yeah, I, I could just pull up a sound file of a whistle, but he's like, you know, wouldn't it be better if you did it as the actual whistle from uh, the uh, Steamboat Willie short? And it's like, that's true. But he's like, and he says, he's like, because there's like different little things you can do with that. But they also say they're like, that's the problem they find with Imagineers now is that at uh, school, all they teach them is the endless amounts of things you can do with computers. And, they, you know, sky's the limit. But then when it comes to like actually being an Imagineer, they say that they spend the first couple of years basically reteaching these, these new Imagineers that no, that is not how you build a ride. You can't build a ride going, you can do anything. We've got computers now. And it's like, no, people don't work like that. You can't just shove everything as a computer screen. You have to right. do other things on top of that. And um, I've actually heard uh, Tony Baxter say that a lot because um, I listened to his, him doing, I kind of scour for any interviews he does because of course he's my favorite Imagineer. But he says that a lot. He's like, people forget that sometimes limitations make things better. Um, and he's given many examples of like, craziness that uh like indiana jones is a great example of a ride where they were like you know we have a limitation here how do you achieve what you're trying to get with this limitation you know um something like for instance the rolling ball effect where he was like how do you get this rolling ball to roll towards you because the thing is is that they were like we want that moment to for it to feel like it's rolling at you but then we're like we can't have an actual rolling ball like that because how do you get it back up how do you get it to keep rolling uh, and then it occurred to them, they're like, what? Yeah, they're like, what if the ball didn't move? What if the ball just sat there uh, on a pedestal, just spinning, and you moved towards the uh, ball, and you thought it was actually rolling towards you? And that's how they came up with the concept that the whole, uh, the actual whole floor moved towards it instead of, you know, uh, it's coming at you. And I'm like, but that's a great example of, like, a limitation he had and a way he came up with how to defeat that. Hey, what, like, uh, what is the TV show called again? Or the whatever. Called Disney Insider. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, so it's pretty cool. To, to backtrack just a tiny bit, it's true. It's like, uh, it's sad to know that the Imagineers have to reteach any new guys coming in. It's like practical is better uh, because real always feels a lot better than simulated on a screen. And it's sad that you got to explain that to people coming into a theme park industry, especially a big one like Disney Resorts. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, think of, like, Tony Baxter talked about doing Finding Nemo, and uh, he said that uh, their limitations because of budget uh, meant that the um, EAC, right, the East uh, Australian Current, that they just did it as a screen. Because he was just like, oh, we don't have the money. To do like a fantastic thing because a lot of the work went into fixing stuff that was already broken in the submarine ride so right. they did it as a screen and then he said uh, what kind of upset him but at the same time like he was like you know that's how uh, he is was, uh, when they took Steve uh, he took Steve Jobs and John Lasseter to uh, ride the Finding Nemo sub he said that when they got off of it um, he was expecting because he's like you know when you when you show someone like a ride that hasn't opened yet they always give you a glowing review. Oh my god, I love Diplo. And he's like, Steve Jobs always said to him, and he was like, the EAC was like really upsetting. He's like, the, I mean, it just. He's like, that's it. And he uh, and Tony Baxter laughed because he was just like, I was upset, but I'm just like, he's right. Like, but I already knew that, and I was uh, I was truly upset that he noticed it. Uh, but he's like, that's the thing. That's how he thinks. He's he's zoned in on the thing that he knew that I uh, that I myself knew was not done uh, as well as it could have been. And I'm like, what an interesting guy. That's, yeah, that's crazy to think about that, that he was able to pinpoint and be like, dude, I know you, that's not right. Oh, uh, so moving on from there, um, now we get into the upsetting things. Uh, so for some reason, uh, the when they did the flyover of Fantasyland, you can clearly see that Snow White 
uh, Scary Adventure or Snow White's Adventure, I think is what it's going to reopen as, is not finished, and neither is the King Arthur Carousel. And that's like a concern because uh, a lot of people were putting out online, like on Twitter and stuff, they were like, King Arthur Carousel like, shouldn't take any time. Like, all you got to do is put it back together, um, which is true. No, why I can give them because, you know, they're adding a whole new scene and we don't really know how far they are at that. So, uh, of course, it was supposed to open in like May, I think, uh, the Snow White ride. So I'm, I, I would imagine that they're already done inside and they're just doing the outside. That's my opinion. I don't know for sure, obviously. Um, another one is Haunted Mansion isn't done. So Haunted Mansion was doing a refurb, you know, on the outside. I know uh, the last time we went there, we saw it like that. Um, they're not done with it yet, but then I'm also in the camp of like, I don't know if that's really a bad thing because uh, I know I've talked about it with you guys off mic, but you know, one of the things that we've heard is that when Disney parks reopen, there's going to be no more, uh, pre-shows. Uh, we can see that too, because Universal Orlando, uh, has taken out all of their pre-shows basically. And the thing is, is that haunted mansion like half of the ride is that pre-show so the rumor is that like haunted mansion for instance you're not going to do the uh you're not gonna, you're not going to do the stretching room you're going to just walk straight through that now and i'm just like that would be so upsetting <laughs> to see it like that yeah because i i i picture like haunted mansion like maybe five people could go in or six people and, and they each get like a corner and like two people in the middle or something like that no, I mean, uh, you're right, too, because uh, I was just thinking about, I'm like, think about when you come out of there. That is a choke point to get to the Doom Buggy. So it's like you're you're already looking at a ride that has, like, a high capacity, and you're now cutting it, like, probably in half because you're not going to be able to load people like that anymore. Right, and it's, it's super upsetting just thinking about it because, I mean, everybody who listens to the show, talks to me, or anything like that knows that this is my favorite ride, and it sucks because it's like, man... You lose so much with uh, with the stretching room being gone, and then as you were pointing out just now, uh, George, it's like, dude, how how exactly would that have worked anyway? Though you know, because there's a high capacity inside the stretching room, and then like Josh pointed out, you immediately enter that bottle like that 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 bottleneck yeah. right there where everybody's just converging on each other. Yeah, yeah and, and to add like, just for one me, more like, thing, like, I'm sorry, just to add one more thing is that right, like. When, when when you're inside of that stretching room, like that's you're part of the ride also. Like that's your first experience. Right. And the fact that you just want to just leave that part, <laughs> you know, it's gonna be more disappointing. No, um, you're totally right actually. Uh I was gonna say something kinda similar to uh but uh, on a different idea was like I was thinking I'm like I just watched a video on like uh Haunted Mansion, right? And the guy said at the beginning, uh, this was a YouTube, but the guy said at the beginning, he said, probably the three most iconic, uh, words, like, ever spoken in a, uh, in an attraction, welcome, foolish mortals. And it's like, you lose that, though, without the stretching room there. Um, which I, I think is, like, a very interesting, <laughs> like, kind of side thing. Like, it's like, we're, we lose that without that there. Uh, also, uh, I wanted to mention, based on what George said, is uh, it did make me think, I'm like, uh, it's actually true, because, like, I know one of the criticisms, right, uh, or, well, it's, I don't know, this is a whole different Imagineering thing, too, but it's that all rides now, they're like, everyone wants interactivity, they want to be a part of the ride, and, of course, like, you got someone like me, my favorite ride is Pirates, and I'm like, Pirates? is famously passive. You're not part of the, you're not part of the ride. You're experiencing it, right? But uh, what you mm-hmm. just said made me think, I'm like, you know, what's funny is the two, well, like what's widely considered, uh, not even arguable, but the two greatest attractions ever made for any theme park is Haunted Mansion and Pirates. But they're both sides of that coin because Pirates is the passive experience where you're just experiencing or you're sitting there and things are happening around you, but you're just experiencing it, you're not part of it. And Haunted Mansion is the interactive one where you go into that stretching room and the ghost coach is talking directly to you. And mm-hmm. I just thought of that, I'm like, that's funny. I'm like, it's actually, those two rides are both sides of that concept. Yeah, I actually never thought of it like that before. It's like, 
he's talking directly at you, and the whole time he's guiding you through the uh, through the haunted mansion. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's an interactive ride. You are you are the ride. Yeah. Good note, George. <laughs> yeah, good note. Um, another, another like kind of weird thing was uh, so the they're testing the water screens for um, World of Color and for Fantasmic right now. The rumors with that is that I guess like Universal Orlando does this thing where they have like the water screens on their waterfront uh, at Universal Orlando and Islands of Adventure. I wouldn't know because we've never stayed at night there. But uh, I guess the whole thing is that they like. Uh, project images on it to make you feel like something's going on there. Of course, that doesn't make sense for theirs, but uh, for Fantasmic uh, water screens and World of Color, I actually think that would be like a cool thing, you know, to have kind of like a light show on it. Um, kind of like the, what is it, the Tree of Life Awakening show that they do um, in Animal Kingdom, like something like that where it's like quick, right? So you don't have to stand there forever, but you can watch it really quickly and have like a cool little thing since there's no parades or fireworks going on. Right, like kind of from afar you, you notice and you're like, oh hey, that's cool. Um, now to my ultimate dismay. Uh, and anyone that knows me and anyone that's talked to me for probably <laughs> the last year about <laughs> Disney knows that one of my biggest annoyances is Avengers Campus because I think that it is a completely just, uh, I don't even know like the words to say. I just think it that it's ultimately it's a land that they just shoved together. Like it, it just feels like they didn't try, and it upsets me because I recognize Disney as being a company that doesn't do that. Like to me, what I see them doing there, it's basically Paradise here or something Universal would do, and it, which upsets me. However, another upsetting thing is that uh, they had already told us that. This year, Avengers Campus would open at Disney California Adventure on the day of the 65th anniversary for Disneyland. In these aerial shots that we got from Mike's cat, we see clearly that Avengers Campus <laughs> is still dirt. And I'm confused because I'm like, if they're supposed to be opening in July, is this going to be like Disneyland? Like you're planning to lay that concrete and it's still going to be wet when people are walking on it? <laughs> They're going to be fine with the wet paint. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get what the concept is. The only thing I can truly think of is that they know that Avengers Campus opening will draw people to it. And they don't want people coming in right now because of the reservations and stuff. So I, I'm wondering if they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to drag their feet on it so they can open it like in, I don't know, next year or maybe uh, late fall to try to, you know, drive attendance. But I just think that's such a stupid idea. Like, whatever happened to when they used to do, like, the soft openings of things? Like, I mean, I went for I went for the opening of Car Clan, right? Um, and, like, the funniest thing about that was that I was there for both days. So they did a soft opening the day before. We were there that day. We were there. We got to buy merchandise for Car Clan uh, that day. We got to go in. Then the next day they did the actual ceremony and all that. But I was there for both those days. And what I find weird nowadays is that they don't do that anymore. They're just like, they just want to open the land like that day and be like, it's going to be a big ordeal. Like everyone's going to be here. Balloons are going to be flying. Pigeons will be flying or doves will be flying out. But I'm just like, why? Like, uh, what is it? Um, Walt Disney World famously opened on October 1st. But it was a soft opening because its actual opening is like at the end of October in 1971. And, uh, I just don't get it. Like, I get like you want people to come, but it's like, to me, it's I like, say if, the reason if why. you do, well, if they do the ride correctly, you know, the Spider-Man ride, they're going to come anyway. And, you know, mm -hmm. ultimately Marvel is a huge, uh, a huge uh, franchise. Right. So people are going to come to those plans anyway. Like, it, it doesn't matter if it's like, basically superhero island from uh, Islands of Adventure. They're still going to come because it's Disney's Marvel uh, and it's the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe version. Uh, you were saying your concept, George? I, I mean, I, I think just like the biggest reason why is that um, 
just because of the you know the virus going on that they can't have any big opening big crowds and stuff like that you know yeah so i i agree i think that ultimately what it is is they know it's going to be an attendance driver and they want to hold it off now now i mean Go ahead, uh listeners you know the the, the five or six on that listen know that i'm camping <laughs> the fact that i love the uh, the Avengers. I love Marvel. I collect comic books, so I'm excited for this land regardless. But I've also got like that that like biased fandom where it's like I know I'm gonna have uh, that I'm gonna like it because that's just how I am. I'm like I'm gonna force myself to really enjoy myself while I'm you know inside of there. If that makes any sort of sense. Uh, I mean, I feel you. Like, uh, I mean, I'm a I'm a Marvel fan. Well, Marvel movie fan. If we're getting into comic books, I think DC is way better. But, uh, no. Just, I don't know. They, they just, uh, Jeff Johns is better. Unless it's Ed Brubaker. Ed Brubaker is Captain America. Anyone? Oh, Winter Soldier. Fans, yeah, any of the three fans listening, uh, should know that my favorite is always Ed Brubaker's Captain America run. Like, that's what got me into comic books. But, like, I love, I do love the Marvel movies. And I, I'm not opposed to the concept of Avengers Campus. Um, and I can't, uh, I've talked about this like uh, at length with like Hunter, for instance, because we argue because Hunter is, as he said, biased, so he's a pixie duster on it. But like my thing is, I'm like, <laughs> they could have they done it right. To me, it's, uh, it's a thing of, it's like, it needed to actually like, they needed to believe what it was. Because the concept is supposed to be that it's a campus uh, for the Avengers, so they can show off their tech to you. And you, uh, I also like the idea that each, I think when we even did an episode about it, I love the idea that each one was a different set of heroes to fully, like, bring in all of the Avengers crew. What I don't like is what we've already seen, which is, like I said, it reminds me of Paradise Pier, now Pixar Pier, where it's like, it's a bunch of different things shoved together and just like, there you go it's marvel now and i'm like that's not how this works like uh the idea of the campus i'm like to me it should look like uh and jokingly or funny enough iron man 2 the stark expo i think each one of them should look like that where it looks like pavilion which realistically it would basically look like epcot but i'm like it should look like the high-tech like stark style um you know stark the man (laughs) stark (laughs) industry style like pavilions and then each one of them are set for like certain things like obviously and and that's the weird thing too is you've got the spider-man ride um which has the dumbest name ever Uh, i I forget what it is i remember it's stupid it's like a spider-man adventure which is dumb but uh like i like that the way they made the building was because that's what i wanted i wanted to look like a pavilion but then you've got for some reason these ancient ruins that they just discovered that Doctor Strange is hanging out at. Uh, you've got the weird Ant Man area, which in the concept area or concept picture, it looks like uh, kind of like a joke to me. Like it, it reminds me of like a, a Muppet Vision, where it's like everything in it is a gag because it's like oh, an oversized pretzel, and I'm like, okay, we get it. And then of course you know we've, all, we've all made fun of it. Well, you know what reminds me of, of is uh, the Guardian thing. It reminds me of a, a mini Buzz Land life. <laughs> yeah. At least Bugland <laughs> was like a central concept, though. Um, that's why I say Pixar Pier. Because, like, you know, Pixar Pier is like a bunch of different things shoved together. And then the joke of it is that uh, they were going to make the um, the sun wheel. They were going to re-theme it again as Pixar. And it was supposed to be the Lusso Ball. But then Disney Marketing was like, oh, no, you can't take Mickey's face off of it because we use that for marketing. So it's going to have Mickey's face still on it. So you're like... Okay, so this whole area is Pixar, Pixar, except for the wheel that has Mickey on it, and pie-eyed Mickey at that. Uh, but, I mean, if we if we want to keep with the Avengers campus, it's like, again, I, I'm going to have fun. I know I'm going to like it, but I, I know what you're saying. It's like, have we just set it up where it's like, oh, this is Stark Industries, and then you could still have, um, you know, an Ant-Man showcase where it's just like, oh, this is the Pimtech part of it. And I know what you're saying it's like it's like they they kind of dropped the ball in that sense. But I also uh, think they I also think they dropped the ball. Uh, I was talking about this uh, with our uncles this weekend. But 
just like the Star Wars thing. I'm like, the idea, I get what they're trying to do because they're very obviously trying to make this current Avengers, not Avengers. Right. Because right, right. it's obviously Spider-Man. Uh, we're, for DCA, we're getting Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm like, I get it. And then what? The other one is like, uh, I don't even remember. But uh, <laughs> it's like forgettable. <laughs> but um, the thing to me is, I'm, uh, and it made me laugh because our uncle said the same thing. Is I was like, uh, I was like, I get that they wanted to be current Avengers. But I'm like, everyone, when they think Avengers, think of the three. It's going to be Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man. And I'm like, because that's what these movies are. I'm like, the concept that they're not going to have them in this land is moronic. Like, right. it needs, like, if you want to drive this, uh, I'm like, you don't even have to do the Iron Man uh, experience ride that they did in uh, Hong Kong. Just do the Iron Man meet and greet that they did. Because I've watched videos of that, and I'm like, that's what I want to experience. Like, that's how I felt when I saw the Thor meet and greet that they did in uh, oh, man. in Disneyland, right? That thing was uh, great. If you haven't seen it, uh, the Hong Kong one, uh, what they do for Iron Man is you go into uh, the room and they're like, uh, Mr. Stark will be coming in soon to greet everyone. And then they have a screen and you see on the screen uh, the silhouette of Iron Man landing. And then the door uh, opens and it's him in the suit. But it has like a very obvious like Robert Downey Jr. sound alike as a voice. So he's talking and I'm like, that's what I want to experience. I want the smart ass. Tony Stark uh, that's going to talk to me. I don't want to be in there just like, oh, and Doctor Strange is here too. Ooh. <laughs> that being said, mm-hmm. we all do enjoy Doctor Strange, I think, but I know what you're saying. It's like, I don't want, you know, super serious. I, I want Classic Strange. Avengers. Yeah, I want, I want Classic I want, Avengers too. I want Quippy, Iron Man, and then, uh, you know, Steve Rogers there with his, you know, man at a time routine. Yeah, I, I just... I think they're going to drop the ball on this one uh, a little bit. Uh, and also, like, I don't know. Too too much of it, because, you know, of course, we already talked about that before, but they showed off, like, the toys that they're selling and stuff, and I'm like, it's too obvious that they're trying to make money off of me. Like, they're like, and also, you can build your own spider bot. And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Really All right. I know what you're saying. Just like, I thought, I was like, oh, no. This is, I'm gonna <laughs> buy this, but oh no. <laughs> it's like build your own BB-8 and R2-D2. It's like, it's the same exact concept. I'm like, okay. And I, I have build my reservations on it. <laughs> but, you know, um, I will always go back to the same thing. I can change. Uh, you know, I'm not a jerk. I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, my opinions never change. Because uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railways, I was completely against it then the ride opened and i watched the video of it and i was like love it love every like, all right can't wait for it to come guardians of the galaxy hideous ugly building <laughs> wrote it love the ride i'm like i can change uh you know i'm i'm open to change i'm not gonna double down but the uh, building still look ugly i just oh yeah, oh god it's it really still ugly but you know the <laughs> ride inside <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's just the thing. I'm just like, please don't be bad. Please tell me that I'm wrong about this area. I, I, I'm hoping to God that I'm wrong about Avengers Campus because I just feel like I just feel like it's gonna come off like they really did not try. They didn't. They didn't put a lot of heart into it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's gonna do it for us this week uh, on a negative sour note. But uh, <laughs> I want to thank uh, all of the few fans that listened. Um, I know uh, we're trying to get like a little more um, timely with these, obviously. Uh, and of course, we're of course tracking things for ourselves. But I want to <laughs> thank you guys for listening um, and for chatting with me when you do, uh, especially Nathan. I know he loves to jump on there. Uh, I do want to thank George for producing these because, of course, Hunter and I, we just show up. We, don't, uh, we show up <laughs> with notes and George does all of the actual work, uh, adding music and mixing and cutting and whatever uh which makes us feel like a professional show (laughs) yep 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 um (laughs) no but i want to thank you guys uh make sure to follow us on any social media at 3g atm podcast you can uh like and subscribe to us uh, and follow us on spotify itunes 
Spreaker. You can download direct on geocomedy.com slash 3DATM. Um, uh, you guys want to do your own social? I know George doesn't uh, invite anyone. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you really feel like you, you want to follow me on any social media platform, um, Twitter I'm trying to get more active on, so that would be uh, Hunter3GATM. Uh, and then for Instagram, it's the Disney guy T4. Twitter is so hard because like this Twitter is no vile. It's so it's such a downer. I I, I have a hard time even reading anything. Yeah, you, you don't want to get into it because everyone's so negative. It's just like uh, I just leave. Um, <laughs> no, but thank you guys again. Uh, like I said, make sure to like, subscribe, whatever, and uh, I guess we'll see you guys uh, next week. Adios. See ya. Ciao.